Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. Welcome to the first day of the WIBC Sunday Magazine Show. We are brought to you by Greg Cooper and Lisa Phillips Real Estate Consultants with Crossroads Collective at Compass Realty. We just heard from them just a bit ago. Good people, and uh, they'll be back again next week. We talk to them every week for the very latest. They're so full of information. Good every stuff. Every week so I learn something new. We love them. Even Kylan. And Kylan's going to end up with a house by, t- by the time this Yeah, I think she's able to. Stop. I, it's a bad habit almost. No, I started looking into them. Oh, and I recommend to my friends when I they're looking, I'm good. like, no, go check out the values. Well, they're, they're like your uh, loving aunt and uncle. They're going to look after you. They're going to take care, good mm-hmm. care of you. Yeah. Honest, genuine truth. I agree. Uh, so if you know somebody that's looking or, and you're not or getting ready to sell, tell them about Greg and Lisa because they really are terrific. I'm Terry Stacy. Denny Smith is here, too. Good morning, girl. Good morning, Kylan Talley, producing today's show. Hello, hello. We've got an IndyCar race today at Mid-Ohio. Terrifying incident in practice yesterday. Mm. Don't know if you saw it. Simon Pagano. He was in early morning practice, and there was a brake failure at the end of the back straight, and it pitched this car into high velocity barrel rolls there must have been anywhere from i mean there were seven up to and to nine i mean you you, you stop counting as he just knows the point leader right now is he not it's amazing you know what i don't know i I think he's a point leader but my gosh the amazing part is he walked away you know just walked away from that That race begins today at 1.30, and you can hear it on our sister station, 107.5, The Fan. On my way here this morning, guys, I stopped by the state state police post at 21st and uh, Post because I, along with so many other people across the state, are paying their respects to fallen Indiana State Trooper Aaron Smith, who was critically injured during a a stolen vehicle pursuit on Wednesday. You you know the story. And then he later died in the hospital. And... um, he gave his life for the service, for the service of us um, and his community. People that don't even know him are honoring by stopping by and seeing his patrol car. And it's <laughs> when I got there, there were two other state troopers, and they had kids with them, couple kids. He was so young, Terry. so young, years old. And they were placing. There were lots of. Are you okay, Danny? Oh gosh! Well, let's get you a drink. Um, they they uh, they were there's just flowers and balloons and stuffed animals and everything that are around the trooper's car, Trooper Allen's car, and then these two state troopers were placing the black um, cloth over the windshield, and um, inside the car there was a jersey on his seat. Of, I mean, just. Everybody paying your respect. When a respect. state trooper dies, the troopers themselves, the state police, they never leave that man until no. they send him back home to God. And That's right. It's a very touching thing. In the in the funeral home, there's always a there's always somebody there, sentries, um, and it's a very formal process of exchanging one for the other. But yeah. It's a very heartwarming thing to know that they're honored that way. 
he'll get a hero's um, send off for sure. He was also National Guard, a sergeant in the National Guard. So military. And, you know, I just stood there. I never know how I'm going to react because I do this, I feel like, too often. Every time we go and we pay respects to our military or to our, our law enforcement that have lost our lives, it's just happening too often. Even the canines break my heart. But, you know, again, uh, you you never know what you're gonna how you're going to react. And I got up there and, and uh, again, I don't I didn't know him. But just tears come, you know, they, it just breaks your heart. It, it's, it's incredibly sad. So visitation, I wanted to let you know that visitation will be Thursday from two until eight o'clock at Emmanuel Church in the, their Greenwood campus. Um, and then the funeral will be Friday uh, from, that, from that church. And then the burial will be uh, Friday, as we mentioned, at Crown Hill Cemetery. Uh, at the Heroes of Public Safety area. So as you can imagine, I know that maybe along that way, along that route, when they bring him over to Crown Hill, that you'll see him at some point. It's uh, always that, touching how citizens oh react gosh. to that. They're very humble. Oh, they they wait in patience. Uh, no they cheering, do. no yelling, but just solemn at attention. Yeah. And uh, yeah. given due respect. Due respect. I also want to mention that uh, there's a memorial fund that's been set up in memory of Fallen Trooper Smith. You can donate at your nearest Indiana Members Credit Union. Another true hero that has gone too soon. This hour, we're going to talk to another hero. Brigadier General Stuart Goodwin will join us in just a bit. And um, the War Memorial, by the way, suffered some damage from last week's storms. That was He's a been whooping. On cleanup Have duty. you seen that? I did. Son, that's going it's, it's to take some, some broom work Big sure. Big old trees that are gone there. Mm-hmm. Um but as we get ready for the Independence Day celebration, our neighborhood starts the day with a parade, and I love that too. And uh, you know, I just want to just want to uh, to mention that coming up, you're going to talk to that true hero. You, you had a chance to talk Carolyn, to Carolyn. If you ever get a chance, died. go down to Johnson County, right on the border of Brown County, the Paoge Parade, P-E-O-G-A, down there. They start at one end, and every kid in the neighborhood and every car, they go all I the way to that. the end. Then they drive around, and they do it again. And Isn't that the best? It's a 4th of July celebration our, that we just love to see. I, I agree. I, I agree. I love our neighborhood celebrations when it comes to Independence Day. So uh, if you don't have one in your neighborhood, start one. It's really easy to just start <laughs> put one. Put the streamers put on your note, bike and yeah, do it yourself. And go. That's and take right. your, your your dog and put him in a, a wagon and start start moving. And I tell you, others will join in because there's nothing like a good old-fashioned. And then at the end, have a hot cook some hot dogs. Uh, it's going to be uh, an awesome Independence Day, weather-wise, it looks like. It's going to be hot, but it looks like we will be dry. Again, coming up, Denny spoke to a true American hero, Chuck Yeager, on Independence Day just before Chuck passed away at the age of 97 on Pearl Harbor Remembrance, Remembrance Day in 2020. You'll hear that conversation next on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. He was the first man to break the sound barrier in an airplane. And to those of us who are pilots and dream of flying, Chuck Yeager is the example of skill and courage that we pray the good Lord we can always have. Well, tonight, that skilled test pilot who is courageous to a fault, he is a straight-talking natural leader and by almost every measure a dedicated military patriot. He's joining us right here and right now. General Chuck Yeager, welcome to 93WIBC, and may I wish you a very righteous Fourth of July. Well, thank you very much, Denny. General, it's good to have you. I know you grew up in West Virginia, and I know you were a good athlete, an excellent math student, 
and a terrific typist. But how in the world did you end up in aviation? Well, that's a good question. It's hard to answer. I entered, uh, well, when I finished high school in 1941 in June, America was mobilizing, and I think there was 12 boys in my senior class. And uh, believe it or not, all all 12 of us enlisted in uh, different branches of the service. I went into the Air Force because the Air Force recruiter was a better (laughs) recruiter than the the Navy or the Army. You mean you were the subject of a better salesman? Is that what you're telling me? That's exactly right. I knew nothing about flying. I'd seen one airplane on the ground, just the luck of the draw. The luck of the draw. I want folks here in central Indiana to hear about some of your experiences in World War II as a fighter pilot. Is it true that they're going to be doing a documentary on your World War II experiences? Have I heard that correct? Victoria and I uh, have been working on a uh, sort of go back and get get together with guys that took care of me back in 1944 when I got shot down. I got shot down on March 5th, 44, and the the French resistance fighters uh, rescued me from the Germans and took care of me for a couple, three months. And then finally, they let me go through the Pyrenees into Spain, which was a neutral country. And once you got into Spain, then you were interned and spent the time there. If you look back on it, and uh, Victoria and I have been for the last couple of years going over to France and Spain and visiting with the people that took care of me. And believe it or not, those old guys were 94, 95 years old. You were shot down in France, and I read your handwritten notes from the debriefing. But what goes through your mind when you know your plane is shot up and you're going to crash? Did you well, have... You, you can do nothing about it, so you just uh, go ahead and use your survival gear, such as your parachute and your knowledge about escape and evasion. There's not a German in the world can catch a West Virginian in the woods. I like I hit the ground after being shot down, and and uh, night was coming on, and hung out in the woods. It took me a couple of days to contact Free Frenchmen, and uh, they finally got me in a camp and took care of me for a couple months. And well, I understand that you came out and you were sort of wielding a pistol at some poor Frenchman who did not speak English. How did that happen? We some of the guys were a little little bit arrogant, and they you know they were smart. He said, "If the American pilots are so good, what are you doing with sitting here <laughs> shot down?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, he, he, he did roll with the punches, and they, uh, I think I was one of the first of 80s that they seen, and also it's very diff language is very difficult, and we made out, and uh, I was, you know, talented uh, guy, my dad was a natural gas driller, and I used to help him shoot wells, you know, after he drilled a hole in ground 3,000 feet, and they explode, fracture the earth with the explosives. Right. I used to set diffusers with them, and uh, the Mackeys were blowing up bridges and railroad tracks uh, that same way. And so I helped them set the fuses, and and it it worked out pretty good. Now, that's pretty good. Joining me this evening, a real-life American hero, General Chuck Yeager. Now, Chuck, you were met by these freedom fighters in France, and they took pretty good care of you. They sent you over the Pyrenees Mountains, and you you went out over the mountains with a fellow by the name of Patterson, as I remember. He he was a B-24 navigator, is that right? Yeah, something like that. I never knew him too much, but, you know, we were at night, traveling at night, and didn't get to know each other, and I... We got ambushed. He, he got shot up, and I drug him across the hills. It was in the winter, and so it was pretty. Uh, there wasn't nothing you could do about it. And finally, got him got down and 
laid him on a road, and then LaGuardia Seville picked him up and took him to the hospital, and I went on down. And finally, the American consulate got me out of jail and put me in a hotel and gave me money and clothes. And then I laid on the swimming pools and went, looked at the gals in their bikinis. It's a hell of a good way to fight a war. <laughs> now, Chuck, I'm not going to let you be that humble. I have read the debrief, and not only did he get shot up, it blew off his leg right below the knee. You ended up in triage saving that man's life, and then you drug him up the mountain like he was a wounded animal, put him in a that was designed to get logs to a sled chute or something to get him to the bottom of the mountain. You guys ended up in a creek. Chuck, don't be so modest. That was one heck well, of a, a, a bird. Hey, that's the way facts of life. And let's uh, take advantage of the opportunities. What, what's given to you? It worked out okay. Chuck Yeager joins me. He's a general. He was the first man to fly at the speed of sound in an airplane. Now, before we get to that, Chuck, one more thing. When you got back to England, how in the normally they would ship you back if well, you get shot down. How'd actually, you get back up I in the air? back to England, they were going to send me home. I, I didn't want to come home because I only had, uh, you know, nine missions and shot down one airplane and it had been shot down. And, and I worked my way up through a bunch of rank guys who were generals. And I ended up generalizing ours. Des, and he said, I normally don't look at guys like you, but why in the hell don't you want to go home? And he was sympathetic about it. He said, I can't give you permission, but I'll go back to the War Department see if I can get permission. <laughs> and what he knew that in eight days, D-Day was coming. And oh. he knew also that on D-Day, the French resistance fighters surfaced as a fighter, you know, as an army. And uh, he said, go on back your outfit. And in eight days, he, uh, I got a wire, and you're cleared to fly combat. I uh, ended up leading the group and shot down five 109s on that mission. And uh, it worked out pretty good. I guess you know, so. I, I met General Eisenhower later and uh, led the flight down Pennsylvania Avenue for his funeral. He's really a neat guy. I read the report from one of the flight engineers assigned to you for the Sound Barrier Project, and he described your ability to understanding in a really funny way to me. But now that I know you're from West Virginia, this makes a little bit more sense. He said you sopped up engineering something like bread and soup. He said well, you, did, you didn't understand. My under dad was a natural mechanic, and he was a, a driller and drilled natural gas wells. And I worked on his equipment because uh, it was interesting for me. I was a you know just a very gifted mechanic, and so that helped me all through my career. And the X one uh, was a complex high pressure gas airplane, and uh, it just you know it's a it's <laughs> the, like I keep saying it's a fall of the game. So yeah. Hey, is it true that you cracked? <laughs> now I've been reading these reports about ponchos, a bar, and that you evidently were a frequenter of ponchos. And is it true well, that you cracked a couple a, of ribs? She was a race pilot in the back in the days of, of Jackie Cochran and Amelia Earhart. Okay. And she was she was a good pilot, very good. And she ran a poncho's flying club very near Edwards there. And so we, we got to know her, and she's a wonderful gal. And we were military test pilots, and we didn't make much money. Well, the civilian test pilots made a lot of money, so poncho would charge the civilian test pilots double and us nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny. General Chuck Yeager joins me this evening here on the 4th of July, uh, right here on 93 WIBC. General Yeager, I understand when you broke those ribs, you were horseback riding a couple days before, yeah, but you didn't want to tell anybody. The night, uh, it was the day, day before I uh, broke the sound barrier. We were out racing, and somebody closed the gate, and I didn't see it, and it, my horse spun in, and... <laughs> It, I broke a couple of ribs, but it, it worked out okay. All right, I've got just a couple more questions before I turn you loose here. Uh, take us back to the day you broke the sound barrier. What do you remember about that day? 
No, really nothing. It's duty. The X-1 was one of about eight different airplanes that I was flying at the time. And, you know, each one of them had a mission. And the, our biggest mission was get beyond the speed of sound. And, that, you know, what that did, that opened up space to us when we got above Mach 1 and learned how to control the airplane through Mach 1. I read the uh, engineering reports for that. I don't know how you did it. The stabilators, uh, they didn't have them. They were developing them. But you seem to be a natural. God bless you for doing it. Now, you were once stationed over here in Indianapolis at Fort Bend, were you not? Well, if you go back, yes. I was in the C- Citizens Military Training Camp when I was 15 years old, and that's the first time I was out of, here, out of West Virginia. And uh, what they did, they take uh, 15-year-old kids and put them with the Army uh, for a couple months and let them live and train with the Army. I went there when I was 15 and uh, for a couple months, and then uh, back to the first time I was out, out of West Virginia. And then the next year I went back again, and it was the best training I think I've ever had. And the military guys were, the Army guys were really, really neat. You know, you've been uh, to Indianapolis twice to drive the pace car. We loved you for that. And you've probably flown every type of fixed wing from propeller to jet. But every pilot has a special aircraft in their heart of hearts, and I'm guessing yours was the P-51. Yeah, it, without a doubt, it's one of, the, one of the elite airplanes that come out of World War II. And the reason was that we flew eight-hour missions in that thing, you know, all the way from England to Russia. Those extra England, tanks, that's and right. stay with the bomb all the whole mission and uh, we didn't have to leave them like the p-47s and p-47s mm. p-38s did well general yeager before i let you go on behalf of all of us here in central indiana thank you for your service thank you for your courage and thank you for your commitment to america but most of all thanks for just being an absolute by the stars normal guy who's a hero for nearly three generations you are humble to a fault and america loves you chuck thank you thank you very much Danny. it's good to have you and god bless you yeah, thank you. Oh my goodness, eleven twenty nine. What a what an honor to have that opportunity to talk to him before he passed he was away. A good, good guy. Sure I was. loved the, the pre interview. Was almost as fun as the interview. I bet itself. it was. Oh, he's hilarious. You know, what a treasure. You keep that interview forever, and never. There, there isn't a German alive who can catch a West Virginian boy. It's <laughs> what a line. Hey, coming up on this Independence Day holiday, uh, the two hundred forty seventh birthday of the United States, we've got Brigadier General Stuart Goodwin. He'll join us to talk about being. United as a country. You're listening to 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm out here on the front lines Sleeping peace tonight American soldiers Welcome back, and thank you for joining us on this Independence Holiday, at this Independence Holiday time. I'm Terry Stacy. Denny Smith is here, Kylan Talley is producing today's show, and now joining us in studio is retired Air Force Brigadier General Stuart Goodwin. He is the Executive Director of the Indiana War Memorials Commission, and uh, the General spent 37 years in the military. Is that right? Yes, Did ma'am. I get that number right? Yes, ma'am. 37 years. And uh, he's been on cleanup duty because the war memorial suffered a little bit of damage. The property itself suffered some damage from those strong winds we had last week. Tell us about where we are now and what, what was damaged. Well, we uh, spent all day yesterday. This happened Friday night. 
and uh, we've lost about nine or ten trees. But I didn't count all of them. But the uh, what happened was that the wind just came, you know, down through the mall, American Legion Mall. And uh, what really w- was pressure for us is what happens uh, on Tuesday with the Fourth of July celebration. That's right. Uh, there would there was no way that we could put people in American Legion Mall. It, the trees were just blown over all over th- through that area. And so, with great help from the uh, Department of Public Works, the City of Indianapolis, they they came and pitched in for us because uh, this is a city event, and so we needed to have a place to put the approximate 100,000 people we expect. So they've been in cleanup. I've seen some of the trees have been cut and removed that that fell, and so the light posts and things. I know there's still some cleanup going on. You know, you and I were talking off air. We were talking about. United States of America as we celebrate the birthday of our country. And I thought, you you asked the question and I asked the question, are we? Are we united in the year 2023? Well, I think it's uh, probably a, a very appropriate question and I think the answer is we're not as much as we should be. Um, it's really interesting because what when you think of Dec- you know Declaration Day and the Declaration of Independence, um, there are a lot of people that don't have a clue about what that day was all about. In fact, we've heard people talk about you know the the victory over over England and that's what they were celebrating. Well, what they were celebrating was the thirteen colonies coming together about what the rules should be and about the fact that you know life and pursuit of happiness and all that business. And the second one had to deal with. Uh, the government was there to protect and to uh, take care of the citizens. And the last one was that if uh, the government does, doesn't take care of the citizens, then the citizens should revolt. It was right up there. General, I read part of your, your biography, and it said you went to war college. Now we're Terry's asking the question about are we really united they always said that fourth generation warfare became more of a political event. In war college, did they teach you about those tactics or even now the fifth generation where they're using a lot of infiltration? At war college, do they teach you all those generations of war or do they really talk about speed and bombs and planes? Well, I think the thing that I got the most of out of it was the fact that they talk about why we go to war. Um, the industrial complex that came out after World War II. Uh, I think the other thing is that uh, that I took out of it was the the fact that both in World War One and in World War Two, uh, we weren't involved at the, at the beginning of it. And so w- what happened was that the uh, you know the Pearl Harbor thing actually tripped a fi- tripped a, uh, a, a, a a toggle switch for us about the fact that we needed to go and get involved and, and turn our industrial base to the point where we could be successful. And World War One, you know, at that time, I think we were the seventh or the 10th largest army in the world. And Woodrow Wilson didn't want us to be in the war because I think, first of all, he knew that uh, we weren't ready to go to war. And the other thing was that the population uh, didn't want to go to war. They said, this the Atlantic Ocean is between us and we can't uh, you know, we don't we don't need to be involved with this at war. This is a European war. 
and then slowly but surely the you know the u-boats the german u-boats and the the, uh, the business but you know they were in the atlantic and they were upsetting things and then the lusitania they sink the lusitania and so the next thing you know we get involved but but i'll tell you one of the things a fact that we talk about every day is the fact that the history books talk about the united states not being involved in world war one at the very beginning we spent 3.5 billion dollars financing the defense for France and England. We wrote checks for them, but we didn't put boots on the ground. Now, that's got to remind you about a situation that we've seen recently. Yeah, that'd be Ukraine. One of the the questions that we always have is that to get us united as a country, remember 9-11? Absolutely. Uh, You were on air, Terry, that, that day, and I remember when that happened, my son, who was, I'm not sure exactly how old, maybe 25, the first thing he asked me, he says, Dad, how do you feel about me joining the military? There were those uh, those monumental moments. The sinking of the Lusitania certainly was one. Pearl Harbor was one. We haven't had any of those, and, we're, and, and yet it's like we have forgotten that the nation with a strong defense really is the, the greatest deterrent to things. And, and it takes those wake-up moments like 9-11 or Pearl Harbor to wake up a population to come together. Well, you know, you're exactly right because one of the one of the questions, and we we do a lot of speeches, we do a lot of uh, tours and that kind of business, and in in the time, you know, I became a general in 2011, and during people ask of. Uh, you know, do you do you want to go to war? No. You know, no. is that what? And what Mike's my, my standard answer is: we train every day to go to war, so that we're ready. And I'll tell you, Danny, one of the things that is, uh, and what Terry and I were talking about earlier, was the fact that Declaration Day. You know, when you talk, you could go down here on the corner, down in the circle, and talk about, ask people about what do you think about Declaration Day, and the first thing they would think about are fireworks. And the other thing is they don't understand that the Declaration Day has to deal with the Declaration of Independence was where these 13 colonies came together. And that was not easy. You know, they they had several different votes. Oh. And, and so they, they were competitors, if well, you look at well, it, economic absolutely. competitors. Absolutely. And the, the fact is that, you know, the teamwork was not something that was a, a word that they were... You know, there's no I in team, but there's a me. And so all of a sudden, you know, they finally get together where they can do this. And they talk about the fact that, you know, this is what we talked about before. And I think that that the thing that people should start thinking about is we need to we need somehow some way we need to get our population to understand about history. Because somebody a lot smarter than I am said, if you don't know where you've been, you don't know where you're going. And the truth is, we don't know where we've been. We don't know about these people that have put the cloth of our nation on their backs. They've left their families. They've left their homes. They go to places. I've been to places, if you asked me to spell them, I'd say, shoot me. I, I can't spell them because I don't know where that place is. And when you, when you think about, you know, and, and I know as a veteran, this sounds very self-serving, but I feel it was a privilege to be able to do that, to be able to serve my country. And these folks that, you know, every, we all take the same oath and it talks about defending the constitution, obeying the orders of those appointed, you know, all of that business. And at the end it says, so help me God. And then they put a piece of paper in front of you and you sign it. It's a contract. 
that you sign. And that contract means that you will do what they tell you to do. You will go where they tell you to go, and you will leave your home, and you will leave your family, and you will, up to and including your life, give that for people that you'll never know and never meet. And if you're an 18 or 19-year-old young person, that's a heck of a promise. That's a, it's a heck the biggest of a promise. promise they'll make at that point in their life. Absolutely. Sure. And we are learning, or I learned from General Goodwin, that the numbers of those that are willing to make that sacrifice, those numbers are going down. And we will talk about that when we continue. Thanks for joining us this afternoon on 93 WIBC. There ain't no doubt I love this land. God bless the USA. God bless the USA and, uh, and you. Thank you all so much for joining us on this Independence Day holiday. With us in studio, Terry Stacy and Denny Smith and Kylan Talley. But joining us is retired Air Force Brigadier General Stuart Goodwin. He's also the executive director of the Indiana War Memorials Commission. He spent 37 years in the military and... Um, and we treasure him. We're so glad to have you here with us. He never wants me to call him a hero. To he doesn't like that word in regards to himself. And so, but I, I do believe of him. We're going to call him. We're going to call him General. And General, I General. will say the the fact that you guys are open Wednesday through Sunday, if I if I remember this right, from nine o'clock to five o'clock. If and it's free. If you have never been to the World War Memorial. Tell me about this fourth floor, or I, I call it the fourth floor, but it's it's between you and God, and it's as high up in the heaven as you can get in that building. Well, it's uh, we think it's the greatest site in Indiana, and the truth is that it uh, is why the building was built. The building is actually designed after uh, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, Helicarnassus, which was the tomb of King Mausolus in uh, 553 B.C., and so when the uh, when the war was over, they wanted to build something to honor the Hoosiers. And uh, the thing is that this, uh, the the rendering that that sim- very much simulates the uh, Helicarnassus is uh, is where is when the columns and the way that it's put together. And in this in this room, and a lot of people are not aware of this, but the outside stone is very common, Bedford limestone. But the interior stone came from the five European countries, Belgium, Italy, Serbia, United Kingdom, and France. They brought stone and craftsmen here to build the interior of our building. Wow. And we don't know of any other place in the country after a conflict that the allies got together and brought something here to our country. And the thing that we're, and I know we're real short on time, but one of the things that we talked about yesterday, and I, I really would like to talk about it for just I a second, is the fact that when we were talking about 9-11, and we were talking about the feelings about 9-11, and the, about unity. the unity, and about how everybody was together, and that lasted for a while, and then that went away. Um, what I would ask people to think about is that uh, go online, go somewhere, and learn about the Declaration of Independence and find about how those 13 colonies came together. Um, we, are, we have lost the art of debate. We can't talk to somebody and have a, differ, you know, a differing opinion. And I think that this might be a good day to start that first step to be able to do that and to get that feeling that we had back on 9-11. And so... You know, this diversity thing, that's what made us such a strong country. 
people coming through Ellis Island, they came here, and what they did was that they came here and they assimilated into this culture. I, I have all the respect for the cultures that they came from, but to make that trip and to come here, what? and we say it all the time, we need to be Americans first. Because if we're not, our country is not going to survive. It doesn't matter how strong the military it is. It doesn't. It, what's going to happen is it's people. It's people that are going to make this society and this country last. And so what we need to do is that we need to keep those diversity thoughts and in in where we came from and that kind of business. But what we need to do is that we need to think about being Americans. And if we have a difference of opinion, which is going to happen, don't just stop talking to that person or hate that person. Sit down with them and try to figure out where the compromise is. When you think about all the people that have put the cloth of our nation on their backs to build what we have today, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, we have all of these rights that we take for granted and we, what we need to do is we need to stop and we need to think about if we want to continue to live in this society the way we live today, we're going to have to change. We're going to have to go back to the founding fathers. We're going to have to, why did they do it and why did they do, they do it that way and why did it last so many years? Because it's a good system. Now, is it perfect? No, it's not. No, no system is perfect. But I got to tell you, it's the best system that we know about, and it's lasted this long. And so what? get in your history books. Get out there. Read about it. When you see a veteran, stop him. Ask him. Talk him about Ask him. We don't like anything more than to know that the people that are the citizens of our country, that they're behind us, that they care about. It makes those lonely nights. It makes it when you're in a bad situation, when you think about the fact that there are people behind you. We didn't have that in Korea. We didn't have that in Vietnam. In a lot of places, we didn't have it with Afghanistan and, and Iraq. And so what happens is, I don't think they understand about the power that they have to make sure that their country is going to be protected. Because they go through an awful lot. And really, what we're asking for is to have our people behind us. General, Kylan, and Terry, this is the glue that holds America together. It when, is. When and we they won't be fi- here forever. That's the thing. When we finally thing, you figure know, out you, who you, is benefiting from keeping us separated, once we throw that off, and the American people, they love the veterans. They love their police force. They love their firefighters and, and first uh, responders. General, I hope we can deliver on that. I hope we can deliver I on hope that. we do, too. Do you have hope? I do, uh, because if you don't have hope, you don't have anything. And so I think that I think this country is strong, and I think that what we need to do is that we just need to respect each other and honor the fact that we're not all the same, but the fact is one of the things that we are is we're Americans. we got to learn to debate again. Yeah, we, gotta we learn have to learn to, to listen and shut up when somebody else is talking and, and just truly listen to what they're saying. I had the, a, the, the diversity, that divisiveness between us and that neighbor, hatred and anger. I had that a neighbor boy rampant. that always fought with his brother. And when his mom tried to get him to work it out, she'd put one on the inside cleaning a window and one on the outside cleaning the window. And they, they had the, she lifted up the window so they could talk to one another. But they had to face each other and they had to get the window clean. And that's probably what it's going to take for all of us. I remember growing up... Uh, Mom would say, God gave you two ears and one mouth. <laughs> think about it. Yeah. <laughs> well, well played, I did, General. I did have to think about well, it for just a well, second. I was well thinking, played. okay. Yeah, two ears and one mouth. Bless your heart.
we think the world of you, and I know we will see you out there. Um, listen, retired Air Force Brigadier General Stuart Goodwin, Executive Director of the Indiana War Memorials Commission. Don't forget, it's open for free uh, Wednesdays through Sunday, uh, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Is the Go mall going to be open for the 4th of July? There, well, there's actually a street fair on North Street between starting at six o'clock till ten o'clock, and then the fireworks are at ten ten. But the mall's open. Yes, sir. All right. But the mall's open. We've got a lot to be proud of here because we do, in fact, support our veterans and our military. No other city in the United States maintains as many acres dedicated to honoring veterans. Only D.C. has more veterans mon- uh, monuments. Thank you all so much for joining us here. Thank you, Brigadier General Stuart Goodwin, Denny Smith. Everybody be safe, and we'll talk to you soon. You're listening to 93 WIBC.